All right, class, pay attention. Your assignment for tomorrow will be to finish reading chapter 12. Any questions? Oh, one more thing. I know the rift is in your eye. What are you trying to Welcome to the Cinematic Void Podcast. Cinematic Void is a cult film series that hosts screenings in the Los Angeles area as well as virtually. I'm your host, Jim Branscombe, and joining me as always is... Hey, what's going on? It's Nick Vance, Paranoid Futures on social media. You can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at cinematicvoid.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. If you want to support The Void, consider joining our Patreon. What's, what do you what do you spend going on? I'm trying to think. I, I, I don't know of anything that's happened in even in just in the world in the last week why why am i completely blanking on just like where where have i been <laughs> it, it's, it's been a weird week of like it, it feels like the week didn't exist yeah well okay so there's july 4th and so you had some screenings and stuff like that so there was the holiday and i don't know so it's just i i, I think that maybe just the uh for one most of the holidays that have been like, I hate to report that we have jobs and, and the, <laughs> the like office holidays that we've had lately, they've all like probably like this entire year so far, every single one of them has fallen on a Monday. They're yeah. all like mostly, you know, everything from fucking President's Day, Memorial Day, whatever. It's all celebrated on a Monday. So July 4th falling on a Tuesday and like having to go to work on Monday and then everybody's off on Tuesday. I don't know. These, it's just threw me fucking out of whack. <laughs> I mean, I kind of appreciate it because because holidays were most not every holiday, but a lot of holidays tend to fall on a Monday, or if it falls on a weekend, it's celebrated on a Monday. And mm-hmm. I have a yeah. show every Monday, so yeah. every yeah. holiday I have to work. So it was kind of nice to have a Tuesday off, although it did throw the fucking week off for me. Like I'm fucking confused, but you know, I'm kind of glad I had Tuesday off because I had a basically. I did both the seven and ten on July third, which was roller coaster and Jaws. Well, Jaws first, then roller coaster, and they both sold out and packed houses, great audiences. Good evening, and it was good to, you know, go home and go to sleep. Except my car didn't start, which was oh shit, which like was, like you were stuck at the theater. No, before I was going to theater, I went to go like drive there, and I was like, huh, not turning over. And I'm like, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't seem like the battery, and I was like. And I looked at the time, it's like, I ain't got time to wait for AAA or whatever. So I just, like, I grabbed Uber and went over there. Yeah. And then, like, I over back to the car, and I was just like, I, it's a holiday. I don't want to let this car sit for too long. So I just called AAA that night. Came out, guys, like, well, it's not your battery. Are you out of gas? And I'm looking at the gas gauge, and it's, like, got two bars on it. I'm like, nah, it says it's got two bars. Well, maybe it's your fuel pump. And... It's like, fuck, fuel pump's going to be like $1,000 or something like that. So they towed it to the shop that I usually go at. And then the guy's like, all right, see you, and just left me at the fucking shop. Didn't offer me a ride back or anything. So shout out to AAA. Hell yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't that far. I could just walk back to my apartment. But, of course, because Tuesday's the 4th of July, shop's closed. So I just, like, left my key in an envelope and a note. And then, turns out, car was out of gas, and my gas gauge was off. Mm-hmm. 
by two whole bars. And the guy at the shop is like, yeah, it's like my kind of car. Like that's something that happens to it later where the gauge will kind of slightly go off. And he said, like, when you see about three bars, that means you're heading towards E. And I was like, that's fucking good to know. Yeah. Because there's been definitely times, like, I've rode that car down to, like, the one bar. And it's like, I should probably go get gas or get to the blinking and all that. But can't do that now. Yeah. So, I mean, I was embarrassed that I let the fucking car run out of gas. I've never let a car run out of gas in my life. I've only done it in the work van. <laughs> <laughs> I've only done it on the way to fucking Bakersfield in the work van, dude. Oh, what yeah. do you what do you do when that happens? Uh, I called I called uh, I called a like a tow truck type service that that brings, uh, gas. That brings gas too. It was like a hundred bucks. It's taken care of. Company card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, that, that's part of it. Like you're trying to beat like man. Oh, so dumb. I like I left. Uh, you know, I left Magic Mountain area and i'm like oh i could probably make it i could probably make it to uh like that next fucking gas station but oh it's just a little too far but i but i i i must have went like 12 miles past it being on straight up zero where well, it's just like you are literally out of gas bro were you going downhill i mean uh oh no i'm like going up mountains and shit <laughs> you know i'm going up mountains oh man yeah dude <clears throat> that shit was whack and i was it was kind of cold outside you know, cold for California. Yeah. And fucking, uh, yeah, dude, that shit sucked ass. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I'm like pissing on the side of the highway, just like waiting for this guy to arrive. It's like, I tried to call an Uber cause I was just going to Uber and go buy a can of gas, you know? Uh, but dude, I was so far out in the middle of nowhere. Like you can't get an Uber. Can't get an Uber. Could you even get a cell phone signal? I mean, you probably, barely, barely, yeah. you know, it was yeah. fucking hilarious. So were you stuck on the five or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like I, I, there are stretches in California, like you know, when I we're from the East Coast, and I think about going up the New Jersey Turnpike or something like that, which I'll be doing next week. Like, there's a rest stop every like you know, within like if you like pass a rest stop and you're like go get gas thing is you will have an exit or a rest area to go fill up. California will give you a fucking like 60, 70 mile stretch of like nothing. And the rest area is just bath. There's, there's no get, there's no gas station. There's just restrooms. Yeah. So So, I, that's one of the failures. It's not the, they don't have a Maryland house, you know? Yeah. You can't go get your fucking go to Roy Rogers or some shit and get some gas or whatever. See Wu-Tang there. There was always, everyone always had a story about seeing Wu-Tang at the Maryland house. I mean, if they were touring, it, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the Maryland, like I forget where the Maryland house is located. It's like kind of in between the, what is it? Like the, it was the Aberdeen exit and it, there was the Maryland. There's a couple of Maryland houses, but like. Yeah. The, it's like the, between the, uh, the Aberdeen and the, um, uh, Haverty Grace exit, I guess. Yeah. Or is it that, or is it between Edgewood? Why are we talking? I don't it's know. Haverty Grace. <laughs> it's in Haverty Grace? Yeah. Okay. It's, nor- it's North. Yeah. Cause it is going on that way when, yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's a plausible story. The Wu-Tang's pretty fucking recognizable. Everybody knows ODB. Yeah, it's kind of hard to miss ODB or Method Man or fucking RZA. Like, you know, Raekwon is pretty distinct. In They're all pretty fucking distinct. Yeah, straight up. Now, I couldn't I couldn't pick fucking You Got out of a lineup. I mean... I don't know what fucking... You see, You Got, I don't know. And uh, there's a, there's a, there's at least one other. I don't know. There's, you know... Yeah, they, I mean, there's nine of those dudes and, like, you there's can't There's, like, be- four of them that I don't know what they look like, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it. I remember like at when a period when you get into the extended family, I'm fucked. Oh yeah, when you get to like fucking um the affiliates and like Sons of God, or is it Sons of God or Sons of Man? I think it's Man. Yeah, Sons of Man and Killer Army and shit like that. Like yeah, that yeah, I'm out. 
And it's not, it's just because, like, I don't know what those dudes look like because they put out, like, one album and it's not like they're really on there. And if they are, it's like some fucking, like, they got masks on and shit. Yes, I don't know. Like, path resistance. (laughs) (laughs) Which reminds me, I don't know why I'm bringing this up because you mentioned path resistance. During the pandemic, I made a joke post where I posted that path resistance record. Cool. And someone tagged DJ Rose in it. My joke was like, see, head of the game. Because they all have their fucking face masks on. Mm-hmm. Someone tagged him. He's like, yeah, I guess we are. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, DJ Rose. <laughs> so, I don't know. I I feel like Wu-Tang's going to have more relevance to people listening than Path of Resistance. I think so. I think Wu-Tang's a, a household name. Yeah, I mean, you know, Path of Resistance was pretty, uh, I guess, hardcore big. <laughs> In my household. <laughs> In my household. <laughs> but, honestly, like, I could pick a Wu-Tang member out before I could pick out a Path of Resistance dude. Yeah. I mean... Even if they weren't wearing masks, I think it would be the same way. Do they have, have they, what, what does Earth Crisis, like a new album, sound like in this day and age? Pretty good. Does it? <laughs> now, <laughs> define pretty good. <laughs> pretty good as in like when they. Well, I mean, I think I went back and even was like, yeah, dude, Slither is great. <laughs> so, it is. <laughs> it is even. So, you know, I, I, I laugh now, but like a week from now, I'm oh, gonna, yeah, I'm going yeah, to look on your last <laughs> FM and be like this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like it, we, we were hanging out. Did we talk? We, we talked about the Godflesh show, but beforehand we were listening to music and like, what was it? Fucking no, war- no warning song. that sounded like Lincoln park. And I was mm-hmm. like, I can't fuck with this. And then like, it got stuck in my head and I listened to it and you're like, see dog. Told I'll, you. I'll see it on last FM. That's what happens, man. You you play me something that I'm like, I can't fuck with this. And then like three days later, it's just like, well, I guess I'm all in now. I guess I fuck with this. Yeah. I, it's <laughs> it's like the ring you played for me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or showing some someone the room. Yeah. Or, you got to show it to somebody else. Yeah. Otherwise, you get consumed. So I don't know. But uh, is that all that's going on? Is it just talking about like mechanical problems, Wu-Tang Clan and Earth Crisis? I uh I don't know I projected I projected Lawrence of Arabia last week I I think I finally I'm finally convinced that I should probably watch that film at some point it's it there's more there it's more than just hanging out in the desert well, I'm not I'm not I'm not a big like hanging out the desert movie type guy <laughs> that's not really my bag <laughs> I mean it I I think at some point see it on seventy yeah because it it's oh, ha- it looked it dude straight up it looked fucking incredible I mean I've seen I'm I I helped run it last year too but uh. Man, it fucking looked great, dude. I mean, it. You can get a Blu-ray, or I. I don't even know if it's out on 4K yet. I'm. It might be, but mm-hmm. like you know, see it in 70 millimeter. It's the best way to see. Same with 2001. Oh yeah. My only problem is I've seen those fuckers so many times at this point, and I know fuckers is kind of disparaging to both of those movies, but it's just like I don't know. It's I can ne- I can never I can never see 2001 enough times. Well, I es- love especially in 70. I. I when when I was theater managing, like even if you know, I would just go watch the star the Stargate sequence because it, it's incredible, and that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's just like it's an experience, and it's just like you know, I'm not saying it's the best part of the movie. There's a lot of good parts in 2001, but it's just I think it just after years of having to intro that movie and get us through the intermission and all that, it's just like th- those just two movies. It's like because of the other. I don't want to say baggage, but because my other relationship with them, it's made it kind of hard to revisit or wanting to revisit. But if you haven't seen like, I know you've seen 2001 multiple times at this point, but, but definitely sit down and watch Lawrence. Uh, 
I saw we. I think we're playing Nope in seventy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, we're doing the that ultra as we uh, like the last episode. I just start doing a, a commercial for the for the organization we work for. But uh, but yeah, we're doing the ultra seventy thing at the era this month. It's like so I'm I'm getting my fucking workout in. Oh yeah, lifting those seventy reels. Yeah, dude. There's there's no elevator there, you know. Um, <sighs> yeah. But uh, yeah, man. We're doing we're doing Nope. We're doing tons of cool. Sh- uh, I think Boogie Nights was last night. There's a whole Paul Thomas Anderson series. Yeah, it's fucking cool. And kind of off topic, I someone saw, saw someone post the IMAX photo of Oppenheimer. Ooh, yeah, I saw that as well. It was it like 19 miles and like 600 I think, pounds? I think, it's, I think it's 11 miles. Yeah. I mean, you know, but most most films are a number of miles. Yeah, but, but I, I think the thing people is, don't... You know, it's, it's, it's excessive. I think most people don't understand what they're looking at as a platter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The platter system, it's like that's, you know, it's all right there on that one tier. And it's fucking heavy as shit. Like, that took multiple people to fucking oh, put, yeah. put there. Yeah, you know? like, it, it was multiple people putting that together. Because, like, I, it did not ship that way. Yeah. I There's no fucking human way that they would have shipped it that way. Unless it's those, like, big, giant, like, road cases that they come in. You know, if you've ever mean, seen one of those, they're just fucking gigantic. Do they make but, them that big? Uh yeah, there's there's one that I saw at the uh the Sony lot that's for uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and oh. it's just like this giant fucking case. Just like, yeah, it's in there. Well <laughs> you know. Well actually then maybe it does come yeah. all the way. Like but it, it might even have fucking wheels on it, you know? Yeah, but then you're gonna like dude, imagine lifting that fucker thing. Imagine oh, yeah. if like you go to pick it up and then like that thing starts coming on un- un- unwound oh from, jesus yeah the, oh jesus i don't want to it's like a weird i don't know that like the once upon a time in hollywood is like this giant like kind of a, a trunk or something kind of case yeah. you know it's like i don't know we're playing we're it, playing that cool. in 72 aren't i think we? we are yeah yeah i i assume we wouldn't get that version because like we would have to break it because it yeah. wouldn't fit on the yeah, normal yeah. projector it's it, it i mean we'll just since we're already talking about it, we can talk about like, you know, what a platter system is. So what a platter system is, it's different than your changeover projectors. We use changeover projectors, American Cinematheque, and most art houses mm-hmm. do. And I'll point out why. So it's basically you have two projectors and your projectionist has to do a changeover from one projector to next. We've talked about this a little bit, but you know, you have two cues. It's like start motor and then the actual changeover cue. And that, that's the whole like cigarette burns or cue marks or whatever thing you have to do. For a plattered movie, is they put all the reels together so just it's supposed to play seamlessly and like that came about maybe late 90s in the 2000s and kind of replaced the it was the make things more efficient and you know you just have one projector instead of two and also cut projectionist jobs yeah but the problem with platters is that if you don't like they fuck up film prints and usually at where like one reel ends and like the heads and tails of the reels because they're spliced together, just usually by tape or something like that, um, they get usually get damaged when they're going through, and that's why, like, if you see a film projecting, you start seeing a bunch of noise at the beginning and end of each reel. That's called platter burns. I don't know why they call it. Well, probably because it looks like you, it's just like they get scratched up because it's nature platters. So um, when we do prints from uh, like different, like you know, the Academy or UCLA or different archives, they they have a strict no platter rule, like. They will actually fly to your movie theater if you want to like start being on the book prints from the Academy or UCLA to inspect to make sure you have changeover projectors, no platters. Because if they see a platter, you're done. They will not let you do that. And like certain, like I think certain studios, like Universal's, 
will let you platter, but you have to leave the, the leaders on. Because usually what happens is they chop the leaders off and then attach. And, like, if you platter a movie with the leader, so the leader gets most of the damage then, as opposed to the actual, you know, heads and tails of the reel. So there was a theater, I think it was the Vista, would occasionally do shows, and they would show universal prints, and they would be plattered up with the leader. So you get to the next, as it was getting ready for the reel change, you would see, like, the leader countdown and all that shit. That's crazy. I've, I've definitely never seen seen that. I, I haven't seen it personally, but I know it's that's the case. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's your little projection lesson there. But yeah, but that Oppenheimer, I kind of want to see Oppenheimer. Oh yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna go see that in Barbie in the same day. We'll do a double feature. I I think that's the way to do it. I'm morbidly curious about Barbie. Oh yeah, I totally am. I'm all I I think I'm all in. I mean, it, it's like I like I kind of like everyone involved in it. I like Ryan Gosling, I like Greta Gerwin, I like um Margot Robbie. I I I know it's just a fucking IP that's like but but she's like I I I tried to even stay away from the trailer but like from what I understand it's kind of like a, a Truman show sort of thing, you know. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm into it. I mean, I I seem that that seems to be where IPs are heading like beloved childhood IPs cuz like I saw like a news article about like the Barney movie supposed to be done 824 oh, style. Yeah, but that's like I don't know, but yeah, when I read that I'm just like, "All right, yeah, but it was, uh, I'm all in on Barbie, but Barney's too much. Dude. I mean, plus I think they kind of already did it that way with Death of Smoochie. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, but is Barney going to be a real entity, or is he going to take the fucking head off, and you're going to see the real person that's underneath the Barney skin? Yeah, they'll, they'll probably do some of that. You know, I don't know. It's well, we're talking about new movies, which is kind of rare. We're we're really excited about Barney and Barbie. Barney, Barbie, and Opperheimer. You yeah. know, three of my favorite real people or fictional people well i guess two are fictional oppenheimer was real i think that's been it for what's going on maybe so i i guess we should kind of set up what we're gonna be talking about today um as of today as we're recording this whatever the fucking date is but the august lineup just went on sale for cinematic void at the lost fields three so figured it'd be a good time to talk about that august lineup which theme is back to school you know it's movies that take place in Schools, mostly mostly high school, but there is one college one in there. So why don't we take a break, and when we come back, let's talk about the back-to-school lineup here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. Hey, walking around with your papers hanging out is not good for your image, not to mention your grades. Get yourself the data center or the organizer from Mead. The data center's got three filing pockets, class schedules, calendar, pad, and pencil holder. The organizer has pencil holder and notepad, plus six filing pockets. So get the data center or the organizer and get your stuff together. It'll help give you a whole new image. And if your grades get better, too. Hey! Made by Mead. Of course. JCPenney USA. This week, featuring our back-to-school sale. A bright blend of classic tops for girls. Sporty shirts for boys. All 20% off. Super cords for super active kids. 25% off. Save on every kid's sweater. For fun, for fashion, including the Fox. 25% off. All this and more in JCPenney USA at JCPenney now. Welcome back. We are talking about the back to school lineup here at the, on the Cinematic Void podcast. These are going to be the movies that are going to be playing in theater at the Los Feliz 3 through the American Cinematheque. And already said, theme is back to school. Now, I'm going to say this lineup was pretty much what I had in mind. I did have to change out one movie and wasn't a 
big deal. There was one I really wanted to play and had been on the list, but it just wasn't going to work out for the time frame. So I had to switch it out, and I will note it, but I'm kind of stoked with the replacement. Actually, I think we both are pretty stoked for it when we get there because it's like, oh, shit, I never thought that I would you know, see a repertory screening of this. <laughs> no one did. No one did. But I also want to point out, like, well, we'll talk about when we get there. So uh, the kick things off for the month of <clears throat> August, which will be the first Monday, which I believe is the 7th. I'm going to be doing a, I'd say, an easy pick. Maybe the it takes place at a high school, but like it's not as high school centric as or school centric as the other films. It's what I'd say horror classic. Would you agree? Disagree? Oh yeah. Oh no. I I back this one t- fully. So, and you know we're hemming and hauling, but we are talking about a Nightmare on Elm Street directed by Wes Craven from 1984. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? <laughs> You just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? There's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. No! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. have eyes and last house on the left a new masterpiece in fantasy terror nightmare on elm street film stars heather langenkamp johnny deep well it's supposed to be johnny depp but apparently autocorrect decided it's johnny deep <laughs> but whatever uh amanda wiss who is in better off dead fantastic movie by the way ronnie blakely who plays um heather langenkamp's mom she was in nashville which is a fucking masterpiece if you haven't seen it. And John Saxon, who we just showed in Cannibal Apocalypse back in June, but this time he's back in his like his wheelhouse playing a cop. And of course, there's a there's a guy in it from the movie Big Wednesday who happens to be playing a burn up metaphysical nightmare whatever what what exactly is Freddy Krueger? Pe- pedophile? Yeah, he's a pedophile. We yeah, pedophile, child murderer, scumbag who gets burned up and then comes back to haunt kids' dreams. Of course, we're talking about the great Robert England. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, which I I don't want to assume everyone has, but I feel like cultural osmosis, you know what the plot is, but just for the fuck of it. Teenager Nancy Thompson must uncover the dark truth concealed by her parents after she and her friends become targets of a spirit of a serial killer with a bladed glove in, her, in their dreams in which if they die, it kills them in real life. Do you what do you think about the premise that if you die in your dream, you die in real life? Do you th- do you think that's true? That was something that was told to me. Have you ever died in a dream? I have. 
Oh, so you proved you proved it's yeah. not true. Yeah. So <laughs> I have. No, I. <laughs> let me explain. Okay. Um, years. Ago, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I. The way you said it. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, man. I. Just being. Just, yeah. Just being real. Just being real. <laughs> I've died a couple. I've dri- I've died multiple <laughs> times in my dreams, unless like I've said it all to Nikolai. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's gonna love it. <laughs> what do you mean send it to me? You can just can, listen to it. <laughs> I'm gonna cut some of this out because only I'll think it's as funny as it is. But <laughs> no, leave it. Shit, I, I I didn't expect to have that reaction from you over. <laughs> But anyway, yes, I've died in dreams. I used to have a reoccurring, like, drowning dream. And the premise would always be different, but it would end up with me drowning, and I would, like, sink down the water. I'd feel like I was running out of air. And then, like, as, like, I black out, that's when I would wake up. Can you swim? I can swim. This was more one of those, I think, deep metaphoric dreams that I used to have. I used to have reoccurring zombie dreams, too, and, like, I would get attacked by zombies. And, like, I wouldn't wake up in time, and I would definitely get mauled and then wake up, which is another kind of anxiety. Like, basically, as a kid, I had a lot of anxiety, and, yeah, I no wonder I went into therapy. But uh, I do want to mention one of the drowning dreams did involve Freddy Krueger, mm. which he was just there, and he, like, I, I was in, like, it's a weird premise. I was going over, like... A fucking it was a skyliner going over a body of water and freddy was in there like in the skyliner with me and i jumped out and jumped in the water and then somehow he was underwater and he pulled me down mm-hmm. only a kid would have that kind of fucking stupid dream what i was gonna mention here is like the premise of a nightmare on elm street came to west craven because i think i forget what country it is but there was a story about a kid who didn't want to go to sleep because he's like if i go to sleep i will die in my dream and he was doing call, drinking lots of coffee and like trying to stay up. And then eventually he fell asleep and he actually died. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I, that, that's what happened. <laughs> so that's the premise of where this came from. We, and, you know, we mentioned this movie a couple episodes back when we were talking about Freddy's knockoff. So, and I mean, Freddy really is just the hat man. Yeah, he's the he's hat. The, he's the shadow man. Yeah. He's like the embodiment of like, you know, like. I think every kid's had a fucked up dream. And like, I think Freddy just is kind of the embodiment of like some dark entity. That's whatever torturing. He's real. Yeah. Well, he's just real. Yeah. He's the hat man. He's the hat man. (laughs) It's creepy pasta. Creepy. Well, in a way, because it was based on something that allegedly really happened. Right. That's kind of predates creepy pasta, but it's still a creepy pasta. So, yeah. So this is going to be kicking off. I mean, there's a lot of high school scenes and there's actually a really good scene where Nancy like wakes up in the school and like sees. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, which was ripped off in, uh, what was that one we just watched? It was, uh, um, was that in don't Ma- panic? No, it was in Malacca. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was it Malacca or was it both of them? Might've been both. I mean, it's such an iconic <laughs> scene that maybe they both ripped it off. It's entirely possible. You know what's sad? I can't remember. I if it don't, was... <laughs> I can't, I've now I'm confused. Yet. Yeah. Were they singing in don't panic? I don't know. Well, there was some elaborate, there was an elaborate music number and don't panic. Yeah. I mean, they weren't singing it, but there was, there was definitely some shit. I've been on record and I say like, you know, I know people love Wes Craven and like, I think when he was really good, he was really good, but there's a lot of things that I'm just not big on. And he seemed like a nice guy, intelligent filmmaker, all that stuff. I just was, I didn't personally connect with these movies. This one I did. Yeah. And I even get past like the whole, like, you know, because 
because everyone loves Freddy, and like I, we talk on the episode, the only Elm Streets I think are actually genuinely good are one and two. There's there's something about this one in particular. There's there's really, and it's maybe a, a part of it is a sense of nostalgia I have for it because it's just this is this came out at like the you know I mean I was young when this came out, but at the same time like by the by the time it was it was like available to me. It just had this fucking it. It always had this vibe to it that most horror movies don't have. Like, and I, and that's a a product of like the music, a product of the direction, a product product of the act. I mean, but it's all it all culminates in just this like creepy fucking vibe that I I can't name a single. I'm not saying this is like my favorite fucking horror film or some shit or like from the air or anything like that. But at the same time, it just has this. It, it there's just this wave of nostalgia. It's but it's just a I don't know I don't even know how to describe it except for just saying it's just a fucking vibe. It is a vibe. It's it's like out of all Wes Craven's filmography, it is the most five out of five. Yeah, easy. And like I I don't think it's a perfect. You know, there's things in it that I don't necessarily think it work, but I think the stuff that does work just transcends any like issues I have. Like you know I and. I don't believe in perfect movies. I think every, even like someone like Lawrence Arabia has something that doesn't quite work, but it's the whole energy that carries it over. Because like, if you watch it completely, this movie's a hundred percent, hundred percent perfect. There's nothing that you like, dislike about it or whatever. Then it's just this, it's, it's made by an AI. Then it's not really that good. Yeah. But I, there's something about this one. I think it's one Freddie's fucking mean. Like he's actually evil. And yeah, there's jokes and stuff like that. But he's like, it's he's cold, he's calculated, he's actually fucking scary. He's yeah. not a fucking cartoon character. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like I know the endearing of you know the the jokester Freddy is like, ah, here's my power glove shit. Yeah. And like, I mean, I I mentioned that. And I, I'm one of the people that would probably defend Freddy's Dead as enjoyable. Yeah. But I think as a movie, I kind of will say, I think it's Wes Craven's best movie. It just like, it hits on all the things he's done it a few times. He's done in last house. He's done in Hills have eyes, like the home alone style, like booby trap shit. Yeah. Like he was ahead of the game with that stuff. Yeah. There's some great home alone in, in this. I don't even know why I'm calling home alone loaning because it predates home alone, yeah. but like it's the same premise, you know, setting up like the sledgehammer and like the light bulbs with the gunpowder and shit. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. And then, like... Pranks. Yeah, it's pranks. Pranks on <laughs> Freddy. And you get some... You get iconic sequences in horror movies, which I don't think you really get in horror movies now. Like, there's... There's two of them that I think are fucking all-timers. Yeah. That, like... It's the Tina death and the fucking Johnny Depp death. Can't beat them. No, and, like, they're just... The whole fuck... They're just so well done. But it's it's also the score, it's the cinematography, it's just like everything. It's just that Johnny Depp, like that shit was legendary when I was a kid. Yeah, like it's it's fucking terrifying as it's happening, and then you get the other end of it when the fucking blood shoots out of a fucking sea of blood, dude. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's like that might that might be that's definitely top five death. Oh, definitely because it's just like, and it's not even like it's like you see Freddy like. You know, but it's just like it's just the impact of it. It's just it's it does what a horror. It it's why it's up there with like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Night of the Living Dead, and like The Exorcist, and all those things because like there's there's iconic moments in it. Dude, I I wouldn't wear a fucking headphones to bed for ever. 
<laughs> I'm still scared of it. Damn, that's not really. But I got my got my AirPods on sometimes going to bed. That makes sense. But got yeah, we also live in LA, and it's just like you have to drown out fucking fireworks, helicopters, and just loud people fucking talking. Mm-hmm. That's always a given. So it's like it's that or Freddie get you catch you slipping. I'd rather Freddie catch me slipping than hear some fucking loud person talking. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think death is better than hearing some loud person <laughs> talking at 3 a.m. drunkenly about some philosophical thing that makes zero fucking sense. So, yeah, shout out for Freddy. I, I think the movie works, and I think, you know, there's something about, like, out of all the horror franchises and all the characters, and we talked about this in the other episode, that, like, Freddy kind of stands head and shoulders over him. And it's like, do I like Halloween better than A Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah. I can safely say that, but I think they both kind of work in the same, like, the way they crescendo and how they, you know, play out is, I mean, it's not by much. But I think as a character, mostly because Robert Englund was able to, like, perform through the makeup and all that, is what gave it that extra bit of iconic stuff. And, like, I I know people were trying to make Terrifier, like, that next, like, iconic character, but it's like, it, you know, no disrespect for them, it's just like, I ain't buying it. Because the bigger thing is that, like, Robert Englund was a seasoned character actor. Yeah. Just coming into it. Like, you know, talk about Big Wednesdays and Stay Hungry. He's in V. Yeah, he's in fucking V. Like, and it's just like, I mean, there's a reason why they thought they could do part two without him. And then realized they can't and had to bring him back and paid him that fucking bag. Hell yeah. But, yeah. I think we talked well enough. We didn't talk really about the high school. Well, we did. We it takes place in high school. So yeah. So that's going to be week one of you know back to school and void. I forgot to mention that all these films will be on thirty five millimeters. So I'm really stoked for that too. Hell yeah! I think you have to pick up. I don't know if you picked up two of these prints yet. Uh, Just double checking. It'd be, I don't know if we got any of these yet. No. Oh. I know two of them are going to be up at P3. The other one is HFC. As we say things that we're just talking in acronyms for people that don't know. <laughs> yeah. Was there a Nightmare on Elm Street 6 is first. That's like next week, right? Yes. So that's what we have. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's the first week of August. But, yeah. All right. So that's going to be week one. As we said, coming up for the second week, we're going to do a little tonal shift. That's kind of what I like about this month that it kind of like tonally moves and then I this is kind of an enjoyable teen movie and like you know I I think a certain segment of like young women really love this movie because they grew up with it and it's like you know Void can be a lot of things Void can be House on the Edge of the Park it can be fucking I don't know what's another like Roller Coaster it can be Halloween 3 and it can also be this, the movie you're going to play for the second Monday in August, which is going to be Teen Witch. High school. It's supposed to be the time of your life. How does she do that, James? But for Louise Miller, high school was a living hell. From her first secret love. I could just die. To her first blind date. Nobody wants to date you because you're a dog. A dog! A dog! I'm David, Miranda's cousin. Ready? My life is a walking, talking tragedy. 
Give me some soul kisses, baby. I wish you would just leave me alone. But just when nothing more could possibly go wrong. Which? Something wonderful went right. Now she's possessed with special powers. You can make anything happen. Break a leg, Kiki! That are simply bewitching. She can make her worst teacher hot. I will never be hit. And her best friend cool. most popular girl. You have the power to make anything you want happen. Can I make him love me? Love you? With me being your coach, he's gonna become your love slave. Everybody dreams, but Louisa's dreams all come true. Astroth, Barbas, Tetragrammaton, Dios, Ishnos, Athetos. What? It's a, a new YouTube song. Team Witch. Winning is a magical feeling. Team Witch is from 1989, directed by Dorian Walker, stars Robin Lively, who was in some of the later second season of Twin Peaks. She's in a bunch of stuff. Joshua Miller, who is um, he was in um near. He's in Near Dark. He's like the little vampire kid. He's in a ton of things too. Yeah. And I'm blanking on all of them all of a sudden, even though I shouldn't know what they are. Uh, old age memory and Zelda Rubenstein who's also appeared already in the void this year in anguish but you know she's also in poltergeist and tons of things tons of things really great career uh this is probably gonna be relevant to like oh god I forgot yeah this is only relevant I totally forgot this fact so oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna be relevant to if you know you know and you know why we're not going to go too deep in explaining this. So this movie was written by the infamous Robin Menken, who used to come to the Egyptian all the time. She would only come to free screenings. She would demand to get in early. She would demand for a specific seat. We'll leave it at that. There's a really hilariously awful story that I can never repeat. Well, eventually, I, I think I'll put it in the void book. It was before my time of like working at the theater and all that. You know that story. I, I'll tell it to anyone that, yeah, anyone who wants to know it, come talk to me. Or we'll just put it, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll put it up as a Patreon exclusive. I actually have the incident report on this. I have the hard copy of it. Oh no shit! So we're just going. Oh, to, incredible! Yeah, that that was gifted to me. So oh, that is a hell of a gift. God damn. Yeah. So, um, but Robin Menken was actually more infamous before becoming a patron of the theater because she, in the seventies, she broke up Janis Joplin and Country Joe. Right. And she was also on the cover of Rolling Stone with Country Joe. Yep. And somehow wrote or co-wrote Teen Witch. <laughs> somehow. Ah, it's insane. So did you ever have her come guest for, I mean, how many times have you screened Teen Witch? I've never screened Teen Witch. And it's played around town. And I know some of the actors have come out for Teen Witch. Yeah. But never has Robin Mankin been invited to a Q&A of it. Interesting. Robin, if you're listening to this, we'll see you soon. Someone asked, the the first thing when this was on the slate to get booked, they're like, are you invited Robin Mankin? 
Hell yes. And I know it was a joke, and it's like, part of me kind of does. Yeah. Just for the morbid curiosity of it. Absolutely. Yeah, like, we're talking way... God, you know, we might do a Patreon-only episode on the incident. We're going to have her as a guest. Yeah. And we'll. Spe- I'm going to specifically pull out that incident report and talk about it during the Q&A. Forget talking about Teen Witch. But uh, I don't know. For the Oh, another fact about Teen Witch. Um, it was co-written by Vernon Zimmerman along with Robin Mankin. I don't know if they worked together or if it was just like one person started and another person did the polish. Who knows? But Vernon Zimmerman um, wrote and directed the really fantastic Fade to Black, which is a really underrated kind of like meta horror slasher thing. And, you know, it takes place in Hollywood. It's Vinegar Syndrome put it out on Blu-ray and 4K or whatever. So, actually, I think just Blu-ray. But definitely worth checking out. I think it's also on Shudder, too. So, it's out there. For those who haven't seen it, high school misfit Louise, at a loss for romance, discovers magical abilities, but the teenage witch finds that she can't conjure herself true love. So what? That's that's the IMDb logline or whatever. Have you ever seen Teen Witch? Yeah, as a kid, I absolutely saw it. So it, I think it's uh, the reason why it's so beloved because I think it just kind of came out of time. I don't think it was like the biggest box office release, but mm-hmm. I think because of HBO and home video and stuff like it stuck with a lot of people. And it's also got the top bat rap sequence in it. Yeah. Which like might be one of those things that people somehow know through cultural osmosis, even if they haven't seen it. But it's it's a really fun movie. And, you know, I just want to kind of mix up the month, especially with the movie that's playing week three in August, which is a movie that was made in 1982 by Mark L. Lester. But I'd say it was made in 82, but it's about 1984, specifically Class of 1984. Class of 1984. Take a look at my face. I am the future. Class of 1984, their only goal is power. I run this school, man. Their only law is survival. If you want to survive around here, you have got to learn to look the other way. Their only allegiance is to themselves. I still believe in all that bullshit that holds it together. I pledge allegiance. Otherwise, you'd have done me right. Like this. He tried to kill me! Somebody's got to stop this insanity. Well, you simply can't afford to fail this class. Now, what is the answer? Oh, I am the future. I am the future. I am the future. But you've taught before nothing like this has ever happened. All right, I got to deal with it. Who's going to protect you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's one man trained to deal with students, but they've pushed him to the limit. They've gone too far. Now he's going to give the class of 1984 the lesson they deserve. Class 
1984. Is this the future? This movie is one of the most, like, hardcore exploitation, like, grimy, like, punks, bad kid, kind of like that kind of genre. Stars Perry King, Timothy Van Patten, Mary Lynn Ross, and Roddy McDowell from Planet of the Apes fame and Fright Night and stuff like that, and a very young Michael J. Fox, who I think is just credited as Michael Fox, before, mm. you, before you put the J in, before you got the J in there. Uh, this film was co-written, funny enough, as we talk about Roddy McDowell, Tom Holland, who went on the direct, you know, Ch- Child's Play, Fright Night, and he also co-wrote, you know, or wrote Psycho 2. So, that's uh, interesting. It's, it's fun how movies connect. In a very crazy way. Uh, For those you haven't seen it, uh, a teacher at a troubled inner city high school soon ends up clashing with the delinquent leader of a punk posse that runs the school. Okay, so it's the same. uh, It's it's like it's lean on me. It's lean on me. It's a substitute. (laughs) It's a substitute, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just like because it's 80s and like definitely there's things like you know decline of western civilization mm-hmm. even though that's a document but actually more probably more aptly suburbia yeah although yeah. I've, ne- I've never seen this it's it's always been like in my it, it it's really hardcore i was cutting the trailer for this month and i remember i showed you a shot of roddy mcdowell pulling the gun on the student mm-hmm. i was like you think that's too much for the- oh right and you're like is that- i was like is this too much for the trailers like that's nah, on brand i was like okay yeah but, like, it is a pretty grimy exploitation movie. There's definitely cool. explosions. There's, you know, punk club scenes. There's definitely bad kids wrecking shop. And, you is, know, it, is it real punk or is it, like, Hollywood punk? I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. it it It's kind of like Repo Man where, like, mm-hmm. some of the things yeah. are right on and some aren't. It, it's like any, like, Hollywood punk movie. Except I can't remember who originally distributed this. But, like, you know, it's definitely, like, maybe closer to the suburbia end of it. So it's got, like... Well, I've always associated this with like um, in the same camp as like Toxic Avenger and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's not as goofy. Yeah. Okay. Like I, the the thing. I, this like, was, was this maybe at some point released by Trauma? Like, did they do a? No, no? I, I don't know why. You're, I, you're I thinking associate... of you're thinking of class of Newcomb High. Yeah, I must be. Which I I thought about doing, but I was like, I want to do all film prints, so that's why I left off. Gotcha. Newcomb High, which I think would have been a fun. I haven't seen it in a while, and like. The thing about a lot of trauma stuff, who yeah. knows? Who knows how? <laughs> who even knows? Who knows how that holds up? But like, this one is, you know, I'm kind of excited to see in this theater. I haven't watched this in forever. It's probably been like six or seven years. Cool. It's it's a nice punk exploitation movie, and it's you know nice. You know, it's it's also an indictment on our school system that has not approved. I don't think it's as bad as the movie. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. I haven't been to high school since like 1998. So maybe high school is like the class of 1984. Things go full circle. So that's going to be playing the third week of August. And the last movie that's going to close out August is going to be the only time we're going to go to college. Everything else is more high school centric. Again, I mentioned originally had a different movie that wasn't the slot that was supposed to lead it off, but it just wasn't going to work out timing wise. But I'll say this. I'm out of everything that's playing i think i'm the most excited to fucking screen this and i think you are too oh yeah i i, I think i may have even seen this like as a child in the theater but i think my parents just you know went and took us 
Yeah, but it, it, but it was also just probably on fucking HBO or something all the time oh, when I, you were kids. You know, it's like either HBO or like on like USA or something. I don't know. I I definitely saw it on HBO. I definitely saw it on regular TV. Okay. Maybe even Comedy Central. It was yeah. probably on USA and then eventually hit Comedy. Like I know I've seen this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. The kind of thing that would play on Comedy Central or HBO like all the fucking time. Yeah, and like every weekend it's on. Yeah, and it's like it's got one of the most iconic comedians ever. And, of course, we're talking about 1986, Back to School with Roddy Dangerfield. Guess who's getting some class? I'm going to college. Rodney Dangerfield's going back to school. And that's what I call marine biology. Hey, boys, here's a couple of pens in case you learn how to write. Okay. When I used to dream about going to college, this is the way I always pictured it. Clint, when did you dream about going to college? When I used to fall asleep in high school. Here's a book on sex education. Let me see that. The world's oldest living freshman. Well, he left out the most important thing. Where to get it? Say it! Say it! Good teacher. He really seems to care about what I have no idea. Yeah, a little something for the kids. Okay, take that. It's okay, huh? I don't have any kids. No, because we're here. Get yourself some kids. We're here. Take it all, all right? What a woman. She is the teacher. I know. I like teachers. Do something wrong to make you do it over again. <laughs> what do you say you and I have dinner tonight? Actually, I'd like to join you, but I have class tonight. Why don't you call me sometime when you have no class? He's not just the big man on campus. Hey, folks, it's on me. Shakespeare for everyone, okay? Yeah! Uh, you too, honey. Ooh, I'd like to tame your shrew. He's the wildest man on campus. Shake it up, baby! Say when. Right after this drink. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, back to school. Baby. It's just the original Billy Madison. Yeah. Yeah, imagine if Ronnie Dangerfield went back to like middle school instead of college. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the premise of this is a little different because like his son, who's played by the great Keith Gordon, who's in um, you know, Dress to Kill, uh, fucking Christine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's in Jaws too that I haven't played yet. Okay. So Keith Keith Gordon's a great fucking actor. And he's in a lot of great stuff. So he plays Rodney Dangerfield's son. I should also talk about the rest of the cast. It's got Robert Downey Jr. in it before he was, you know, at his 80s peak, I guess. Or maybe he was in it. I don't know. I mean, 86, he would... I'm trying to think because Robert had, like, he was, like, second or third banana, like, the friend of a friend in a lot of movies. And yeah. he kind of got up and then, you know, got into drugs and went down and came back up all over the place. Also stars Sally Kellerman, who was in... Robert Altman's mash, so we can get a second Altman reference in here. Cool. I, I, I kind of want to do an Altman month at some point. I don't know if the Cinematheque... Oh, I'm, oh the, well, I'm just like, oh, on the podcast? Like, I'm down. Let's well, go. Actually, <laughs> maybe we should do Nashville soon. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen Nashville. That's that's at the top of the list of something I, I need to say. I, I, but I, the, but I, the few that I have seen, I, I definitely for sure love. I, I love Robert Altman. Like, yeah. I know there, I, I know certain people don't like that style, but like, I fuck I, mean, I love the player. I love shortcuts. Yeah, like yeah. that's my shit. Let's do Nashville. Yeah, cool. Because that's that's also in that kind of same realm, right? Like, oh, you know, it, similar to shortcuts. I mean, a lot of it's, it's an ensemble cast. Yeah, it's like even Mash is an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Like there, there might be a lead or two, but it's ensemble cast. You know, lots of overlapping dialogue, zooms, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like, Na- I mean, because Nashville like deals with Nashville and country music and that kind of stuff, and just lots of little threads and stuff. 
It's one of my favorite fucking movies. Hell yeah. So I like how we're talking about Nashville instead of back to school. But, you know, that's what podcasts are for. We're allowed to go on these goddamn tangents. But anyway, Sally Kellerman's in Robert Altman's MASH, not the TV show. Um, also has Burt Young from the Rocky series, Ned Beatty from Deliverance and Network and all that stuff. Sam Kinison, another famous com- comedian that might be lost in the ether, maybe. I mean, do people, th- I mean, maybe I mean, people of our age know who Sam Kinison yeah, is. I mean, Joe Rogan brings him up like once a week, so he's still in the, in the public consciousness. Well, is it being blasted out to millions of people yeah, all but, the time. But I'm talking about like young people. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Sam Kinison, like for those, you know, he was the comedian who used to scream. He's like, oh, oh, I'm not doing it justice, but like, I also don't want to blow my fucking <laughs> voice. <laughs> Just look up Sam Kinison and just watch his stand-up of him screaming. He actually actually go watch the back to school trailer and he does it in the trailer. He's screaming at Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. He, and, yeah, in fact he only had one mode. He only just screamed. Yeah, pretty much. Well, it would be like a, a growl and then a scream. Yeah. And lastly, not that he has a it's basically a cameo, but I think it's fucking important to mention this. Kurt Vonnegut's in this movie. Uh, and I, I you know, I definitely the last time I saw this was before I I knew who Kurt Vonnegut was. Yeah. You know, so um, so that's really cool. I, I'm I'm excited to see this one, man. I am super stoked. I, I, another thing I should mention is like, you know, Ronnie Dangerfield. Like, for you and I, we grew up and like he was everywhere. He was in fucking beer commercials, like he, you know, Caddyshack and stuff like that. Is he another person that's kind of fell off? I, like the yeah. The well, I mean, you know, Sam Kennison, same thing, right? Like, uh, the way. The way that comedy kind of changes and the way that comedy is received over the years, whether it be, you know, politically correct or not, uh, comedy, comedy and, and like what is funny changes so quickly in culture that I just think it's rather easy for, for these old comedians to really just be forgotten, even with their old films. Like, you know, the, the, tra- the humor just doesn't translate. And uh, I don't know. So, yeah, th- these kind of uh, someone like fucking Rodney Dangerfield gets forgot like dude <laughs> the Rodney Dangerfield's whole thing of just like you know just e fucking no respect no respect you know it's just like who like what fucking what like teenager or like 25 year old is gonna think that's funny that's a valid point but you know what I'm also and I just remember and I should I don't know why I'm forgetting he's like Rodney actually you know some of the later's crew he's a natural one killers <laughs> okay. He plays the fucking like mole- Julia Lewis's like molesting dad, but like, but really, right? Like, uh, even when he's not doing like his whole fucking no respect thing, when he's just like kind of being himself and just kind of being like you know, because he just has his own like mannerisms, and when he's just doing his thing, dude, he's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Rodney Dangerfield, what he works, he's like, there's a lot of things I've seen comedians talk about that got to see him on like the Tonight Show and shit like that was just like he would fucking kill and he wouldn't swear yeah. and like he just like it's just commanding the audience. He'd be self-deprecating. Yeah. Like I don't, I know a lot of people don't like you know he did he would punch down on himself. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I mean, obviously, he'd make fun of other people, too. But, like, it was just, like, he had this aura. It was just, like, your fucking crazy uncle rolling in who's got fucking jokes every, like, second. Dude, the ca- the, caddy hack, the caddy shack scene where he's, like, fucking making fun of the guy's hat. Dude, it looks good on you, though. It's fucking <laughs> incredible. <laughs> I mean, there's shit like this in a movie. Like, I, I was watching the trailer in Office. I'm not going to watch the movie to spoil it. But, like, some of the things, like... 
here, here's some pens if you learn how to write and shit like that. <laughs> it's just like, and like the, hey, Shakespeare for everyone in the fucking like school bookstore and stuff like that. Man, fuck. Dude, Rodney Dangerfield is fucking, he's great. It's it's also in the delivery because like. Yeah, he's just a character. He's just a, like in real life, he was just this fucking crazy character. Yeah, and it's just, said, like, just like you said, uh, you know, your zany uncle that like comes bursting in. And like he actually, weirdly, he evolved with the times. Like obviously, when you're doing Caddyshack and some of the like more R-rated stuff, you know, he's a little bit raunchier. But then like he's also doing shit like Ladybugs later on oh, and stuff. Yeah. And like he was able to pivot like that persona into like a I don't want to say softer, but like you know, I was I would say that both Alf and uh, Fozzie Bear are are both you know direct descendants of of Rodney Dangerfield. I think so. You know, it's it. Well, it's that old school comedian thing. Yeah. Like Rodney was probably the last. It was like him and Don Rickles. Yeah. And Don Rickles used to be ruthless, but then Don Rickles also had that pivot because he was in like Casino and shit like that, and weirdly got the respectable actor card. Dude, I, Ivan the Projectionist recently was. T- he's he's a, a, an older gentleman. He was telling me about the time he's like, oh yeah, I fucking you know Don Rickles came to my TV studio when I was working there. Like blah blah blah. He's like he's you know it's like he loved me. Yeah, you know, you know Ivan. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, I, I, I think, but I'm gonna say this, and there's some other things I want to talk about this movie, but like when I just did both Jaws and Roller Coaster, and I mentioned because I knew these were gonna go on sale by the end of the week, and everything was confirmed, and as I got the back to school, Rodney Dangerfield, people fucking cheered more than any other movie. Hell yeah, and that that can mean one of two things: one, people are like, "Shit, yeah, I want to go see this in the theater and have a fucking good time," or yeah, I love Rodney Dangerfield. I'm not showing up, so I'm I'm either expecting full fucking sellout or like us. What's up with the uh, What's up with the director? What else has he done? Alan Metter. So Alan Metter did he did some he did a lot of Olivia Newton John like music videos. Hmm. He like he also I guess he did a documentary on the making of Xanatu. <laughs> oh okay. And I he also did the Rap and Ronnie. Rapping Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield music video. Okay. So he's got that. But, like, you know, movies, movie wise, like, I mean, I think the one thing that people may have seen is like Police Academy Mission to Moscow. Okay. Not that it's really a big movie, but like, so Harold Ramis, who, you know, probably best known playing Egon in the Ghostbusters movies, who, you know, he worked on, you know, wrote Stripes, Groundhog Day, you know, I think he was involved in Caddyshack too. Like, you know, Great comic writer. So he was one of the writers on it. I guess Dan- Rodney Dangerfield has a story credit on this movie. Okay. So there, And there's a couple other writers. So I think there's a lot of people going in, punching up jokes or whatever. And, like, basically, you know, I think that's how most comedy scripts go. It's like you bring in a bunch of people and, like, see what shit sticks. And I'm sure there's improv throughout this movie. I'm really excited to see this because I think this is, I think this movie out of a lot of those 80s comedies has aged well. Yeah. Because normally you're like Rodney, they put him with like a bunch of younger women that are like 40 years younger to him. But like his romantic interest in the movie is Sally Kellerman. And so there's 16 years difference between them. And, you know, for age, age, age gap, Twitter won't like that. Yeah. But like, I'm going to say this about, you know, as a movie device, like that's almost a reasonable age gap. Yeah. And plus Rodney's playing much younger, but like, I don't know. It's. I, I think it just, you know, things like Caddyshack and all that, like, there's funny stuff, but I think a lot of that stuff just, like, 
it's of the time. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of like Animal House. Like there's probably still funny stuff in there, and then there's I think the cringe might be outweighing the actual comedy. Whereas, like you know, I think something like Doctor Strange Love is one of the funniest fucking movies of all time, and will always be the funny one of the funniest because nuclear war can happen at any point, so might as well laugh at it. But I think sometimes very specific era comedies like don't age well. But like I think because the cast is like just kind of stacked. Look at all these people in there, and it's just like let Rodney do his thing and just surround him by like great actors. Which is like I think that's kind of what Adam Sandler is trying to do. Because you know there's you know, he puts like you know Steve Buscemi and like does he have Christopher Walken in any of those movies? I don't I, know. I th- might be making the shit cobbler. Up. The cobbler. <laughs> He's in the cobbler. I don't think he's in the cobbler. Oh, I don't know. But, like, I, I think it's like you take a comedic icon and you s- surround him by great actors. And, like, all you're asking of Rodney Dangerfield is to be Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, just bug your eyes out, homie. Yeah. Just fuck- <laughs> I mean, even in National Born Killers, even though he plays, like, the scummy, you know, incestuous dad. Mm. I mean, I think Oliver Stone cast him just to exploit the fact that like hey you know rodney dangerfield Damn, it's been so long since i've seen natural born killers i think i would watch it and and i would have been completely surprised at roger D- rodney dangerfield being in it and being like what the fuck like i don't know why i wouldn't remember that from you know, the last time i saw it, it it's just a it's a weird thing <laughs> like i i forget about it and then it pops up again. yeah <laughs> it's sort of like richard Pryor's in lost highway yeah, that would startle me as well. It's been a while. Yeah, it's just like when comedians show up in like, <laughs> yeah, like the, the like the art house, like our tour director films. It's like because it's kind of hard to disassociate. Yeah, but like I, you know, appreciate seeing them in there. But anyway, like another thing about Back to School, it's scored by Danny Elfman, and there is an Oingo Boingo sequence. So I guess he was still doing Oingo Boingo, and I think this is pretty early on in his movie scoring career. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly if he did many before or after, but like it's probably right around that time. And do you think his real... Do you, It's time to really get to the bottom of this. Do you think that his real last name is Elfman? I mean, he's a bit... <laughs> Yes. It's a little bit on the nose, no? Yeah, I think it is because he has a brother, Richard Elfman, who directed Forbidden Zone. Dude, it's fucked up. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's so insane that his name is Elfman. <laughs> Elfman, like it's a superhero. <laughs> so, I, oh, why does he look like Carrot Top now? It's insane. Oh, well, because he's all ripped and he's like, like he's like tattooed Carrot Top. Yeah, and I. I he was married to Bridget Fonda for years, and I think they're divorced now. Elfman with Bridget Fonda. Play, now playing the Hollywood Bowl. And it's like, do you think he plays cues from fucking, like, his cues from Back to School? Do you think he has a Back to School suite he does in between A Nightmare Before Christmas and Batman? Man, I can't get over it. <laughs> Just stuck <laughs> on Elfman. Get, I can't get past Elfman. We're we're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, since we're... You know, since we can't get past Elfman, that's the lineup for August here for Cinematic Void Back to School. Uh, tell us what you think. Do you like this lineup? Do you love this lineup? What are your summer? What are your some of your favorite like cult films that revolve around a college or high school? Obviously, most of these are high school, but like you know, throw in a college movie here and there. Um, I did have some ones I almost did, but they didn't make the final list. I was thinking House on Sorority Row that was actually shot at the University of Maryland. Okay, is um. Early 80s. It's one I've been wanting to screen, but I just, like, I think, I as I thought about it, it's, like, a little bit of a slow burner, and, like, I thought I was going to do more high school-centric, so I went with class 1984. Mm-hmm. And, but then I ended up doing a college movie anyway, back to school. But it's a hell of a college movie. But, yeah, so that's the lineup. 
We're going to take another commercial break, but when we return, it'll be read, watch, and listen here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. Anybody need help? It doesn't take a genius to figure the difference between school shoes at department stores... Anybody here? And the same school shoes at Famous Footwear. Looks like everybody's here. The difference is 10 to 40% every day. And during Famous Footwear's back-to-school sale, you'll save even more on those same brand-name shoes. I just saved $20. Get brand-name shoes for less during the back-to-school sale at Famous Footwear. Finally, a shoe store that fits the times. Hello? Hey, this fall, don't go back to school. Until you go to the back-to-school sale at J.C. Fitting. All your favorite top hits are on sale. Levi, Palmetto, Hunt Club, Zasson, and many, many more. So it's time to get down to the back-to-school sale at J.C. Penny. Smarter than ever, J.C. Penny. Welcome back. It's now time for... On the Cinematic Void Podcast, where we talk about all the things we've been reading, watching, and or listening to since the last time we, we recorded a podcast. All right, Nick, what have you been reading, watching, and or listening to? Uh, I've still been reading that uh, that Matt McCusker uh, Overlook book. I'm still going through that. And then uh, I got this book over here called uh, Prisoner's Inventions that I've kind of been skimming. That's just like, it's literally just that. It's just a bunch of like weird shit that prisoners have built <laughs> and like talking about them. It's fucking cool. And then I got this other book I've been uh, looking through a little bit called, uh, I think it's called like Michael Jackson was my lover. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that's someone had given me recently. That's, it's pretty, uh, it's really something. It's one of those kids from the, for the HBO documentary or whatever, Jordy maybe. Uh, but yeah, not really reading it so much. It's just you picking you... it up, laughing and look at the cover. Ha ha ha. Michael Jackson was my lover. Ha ha ha. You know, the, it, it's weird that when he died, a lot of that shit got erased somehow. Yeah, kinda. But then they did, like I say, they dropped out. They dropped that documentary a couple of years ago, and it was like boom. So where do you think people stand on it now? <sighs> Man, I don't even know where I stand on it. Yeah, I mean, I I know people were like either like I love his music, Thriller, and then like other people were like fuck him. Yeah. And you know, I don't fucking know, and I don't want to like I. I don't have time to get into my whole Michael Jackson theory. I want to say like he was fucked up severely mentally in a lot of ways to quote Cat Williams to quote the great Cat Williams. Michael Jackson's up in a tree saying, do you climb trees? No motherfucker. I got bills and shit. (laughs) That's what I got to say about Michael Jackson. I mean, nothing, nothing. (laughs) I have nothing to say. I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah, he's a great fucking, he's a great artist. And I separate the art from the artist. If you want to diddle kids, that's not my business. <laughs> that's none of my business. I don't have kids. I'm, I'm going to walk away from this. <laughs> I have a single kid. <laughs> not a one. Well, I already know what's not going to be here when I get this episode. Never back. have I had a kid in my life. Uh, <laughs> that you know of. I'm certain. Uh, <laughs> uh, fucking uh, watch. I uh, I'm back with my movie shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh, I, shit. I watched a couple movies the last couple days. I uh, I recently watched Shock Corridor by Samuel Fuller. Banger, uh, which is a total banger, uh, sick as hell. 
the the same director that made White Dog, another banger. Oh, he he, made, he he has a few. He's got a few hits. Yeah, I mean that's good. Um, pick up on South Street. Cool. Um, naked Naked Kiss. Naked Kiss is another good one. Um, yeah, lots of good movies. He's sick. We used to uh, we used to work with his granddaughter. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there you go. Uh, I just rewatched Drive My Car. Uh, for the second time. I just when that uh when the Criterion sale hit, that's that's what I ordered. Um. So yeah, Drive My Car. It's fucking. That's a five star movie for me. It's one of my favorites from the last few years. I'd only seen it the one time. So, uh, checking out again. It, it holds the fuck up. I, gonna, I love this movie. Gonna interrupt you. What'd you get at the Criterion sale? Oh, just just drive my car. Okay. I have not ordered anything yet. Uh, my, I'm gonna probably get targets in after hours. I mean, I I more or less order like one Criterion a week. Like it doesn't matter if it's on sale or not. I'm just I, I'm ordering like one a week. I mean, I missed so that I missed was my one this week. I I didn't get anything from the Severn sale or the Vinegar Syndrome sale. I haven't been really blind buying Blu-rays, but like, I think I'm just gonna cave and get targets and after hours because one, those are two movies I'll I love and I'm definitely gonna watch. You mm-hmm. know multiple times yeah like i i yeah and well yeah that if you listen to the blu-ray burnout episode you'll know why um i also just rewatched uh three colors blue uh by christoph kislowski also as you know is one of my favorites and i've i've watched it a million times at this point so it's just something i just throw on sometimes but I gotta mention it because it's just such a banger. Fucking check out this goddamn movie. And then I just watched uh, In the Mood for Love, uh, Wong Kar Wai, and didn't really connect with me so much. I, di- I didn't love it, but it's beautiful. Yeah, I, it, it's great either way. But it's just it. I didn't connect with it like emotionally. But you know, some of his others like are just insane for me. So you know, I'm a fan. Yeah, I I, I think like it, do. Maybe not. Maybe maybe it is for in the mood. I think with his work, it just you have to be kind of in the mood for it, mm-hmm. ready for it. Yeah, I, I think just certain filmmakers like you can't just throw on. Ran- I'm not saying you threw this on random randomly. Obviously, you had the intent. Like I feel like watching and checking out this movie. Mm-hmm. But like you know, certain certain filmmakers like if you're watching some of theirs and you're just like not in that wavelength, it's yeah. not that it's a bad movie. It's just like just not gonna connect. Yeah, I was actually in the mood for love. I got no love. <sighs> No love. No love. <laughs> uh, and then I just watched uh, There Will Be Blood for the first time. And, you know, it's fucking, it's a masterpiece. It's it's what everyone says it is, um, for sure. I remember seeing this with Holacek. Like, we went down to Charles in Baltimore when I was still living there. And we got there maybe, like, we had the, he had the wrong, like, fucking start time. Mm-hmm. So we walk in the theater and the movie's already on. We're like, oh, we got to, you know, got to. Go come back for the next show, and of course this movie's like three hours long. So I think you know, I think there was a Criterion sale. We actually went to Barnes and Noble and bought a bunch of Criterion. Okay. Sat in his car, looked at her shit, and then went to the next showing. But turns out when we walked in, it was l- the literal start of the movie, so mm-hmm. we could have sat through there and waited. But like we didn't know, we thought we missed like yeah like ten minutes, but it was we missed like ten seconds. Right on. Um, and for listen, I've just been listening to a bunch of. Bjork and The Professionals, which is uh, I think it's Steve Jones from Sex Pistols band after the Sex Pistols uh, and a bunch of like Fugazi, Q Not You, uh, Ultra Q it's the uh, Billy Joe from Green Day's Sons band who played with Waves a couple days ago um, they're on they're on tour with uh, Waves and uh, fuck who's the uh, second band 
I forget already. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, fucking uh, the new songs off the uh, the new songs that have dropped off the new uh, Blur record are awesome. Um, been listening to Drive Like Jehu. Uh, Rick Froberg just passed away, and yeah, Drive Like Jehu and Hot Snakes are amazing, and and Obits and pretty much everything he touched. Man, that guy was a fucking talent. Um, I guess that's everything for me, man. I I'm real busy. Yeah, we both are. I'm I'm maybe kidding. Maybe I'm not busy. I don't. I can't figure it out anymore. It. I mean, you just gotta be in the. It depends. Like you know, I I listen to stuff, but like, there's a difference between like having stuff on. Yeah. And actually engaging with it, and I try to like you know put the stuff I really. Have. We don't engage with art here. No, we just we just have it on in the background while we do stare at our phone. Um, for my rewatch and listen, read. Nope nothing <laughs> i ain't got nothing for read i i really want to get back into reading and i need to i probably need to stop watching bullshit on youtube i think bullshit on youtube is ruining not only read but watch as well because i'm just not what are you throwing me books no nah, i'm gonna read those he's <laughs> <laughs> just throwing out I for just, the next podcast I just think, uh, i'm gonna read some swamp thing soon you just made me think of swamp thing <laughs> Well, I'm glad my like lack of reading is like I'm gonna read some fucking swamp thing, just yeah. throw it out like a fucking paradise, but like it's three graphic novels. Anyway, I ain't reading shit. Uh, watch. I had a virtual date night with my girlfriend. We watched a movie called Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes. It is on Shutter. It was a uh, I think it's from Germany. I don't know how much I actually liked it or not. Like my letterbox is a three, and I think there. I don't want to spoil it, but there's kind of a movie within a movie thing going on in it. And I think the, the movie before you get to the movie within the movie is more engaging. And I think there's interesting stuff that happens in the second half, but it's just like, I don't know if I love it. I don't hate it. I kind of still digesting it. I may go back and rewatch it at some point or it may not. It's just, I think it was interesting. We'll give it that. Um, another thing we watched together, we watched the first episode of the new season of Black Mirror, which is Joan is Awful, which I, we've probably talked at this point, I'd really never watched Black Mirror. I decided to give it a chance, and, I mean, I, I love that episode. Cool. I, it, it says a lot about, like, streamers and social media and, like, not reading your fucking user agreements and stuff, even though I know South Park kind of did one of those bits a while ago, but... I don't want, it's, I don't know, it's, it was a crazy episode, I'll definitely check out some of that stuff, there's a couple other things on Netflix, like series that I feel like I want to watch the rest of the Del Toro Curio, uh, Cabinet of Curiosities, cool. I, I know he's just a presenter and other people direct it, but like I started some of those, and I was actually enjoying a lot of those, so nice. maybe I'll go back and watch that, another thing I watched for 4th of July, which I tend to do every year, or outside of Roller Coaster, is I watch Zodiac. Granted, the 4th of July is literally the just opening of the movie, but yeah. it makes it a 4th of July movie. And Zodiac, fucking banger of a movie. Yeah. And I look back at my letterbox, I watched it back in January, too. I was like, yeah, I just can't get enough of Zodiac. I, yeah. it, it's my favorite Fincher movie. Like, flat out. Yeah. And I, I just love that, like, it's a newsroom movie, it's a conspiracy movie. It's like somewhere where all the president's men meets JFK. And there's no real clear resolution on mm-hmm. who the fuck the Zodiac is because there's still no clear resolution on who the fuck the Zodiac is. Yeah. I don't know. Fucking great film. And also, I did this on July 3rd, and I did make a joke when 
actually not July 3rd, July 2nd, or the weekend before the void screening of Jaws and Roller Coaster. Um, even though at the Roller Coaster screening, I forgot to make the joke during the Jaws one, I mentioned happy fucking Return Living Dead screenshot day, since when it's July 3rd, 5.30 p.m., you know, Eastern Daylight Time or whatever the fuck it is, where it's for the you need a medical set. So many of you fucking maniacs post that goddamn thing. I did a screen capture just scrolling through my Instagram, and there was like 10 of them in a row. Yeah. And I was going to post it, and I was like, nah, that's just kind of a dick move. I also thought about it every time I saw one, like repost in my story and just have the whole story be that way. Like, normally a lot of people post it. Yeah. But this year was the most excessive. Like, every social media platform is all I've seen. And it's just like, you guys are going to make me hate this movie, aren't you? But, no, you didn't make me hate it, because I watched Return of the Living Dead 1 through 3. 1, part 1, Dan O'Ban, writer-director, great fucking cast, great, just one of the greatest fucking horror comedies, one of the greatest horror movies, maybe just one of the greatest fucking movies ever made. I don't know. I, I love Return of the Living yeah, Dead. Absolutely. It's one of the best. Great soundtrack. However, you can only hear the original Tarman voice plus the damn song if you see it on 35. There you go. Which kind of throws back to what we were talking about, like, you know, movies that changed from home video from their 35mm print stuff. Mm-hmm. And, well, the I don't know why they changed the Tarman voice. I don't know whose choice that was. They pitched it different in the Blu-ray and DVD and all that. But the damn song, damn wouldn't clear for home video. So it's no longer on the. What's the what was the damn song? I, I mean, I mean, I I've never seen the thirty five, so I mean, I've just never seen this version. Um, I've seen the thirty five a few times. It might be due to redo it. I mean, I, it's a great movie. Um, I can't remember the damn song off the top of my head. And I know um our friends from Severn Films when Shout Factory put it out, they actually did a documentary with all the bands that were involved in the soundtrack, and they even reached out to the damn to actually talk about their song and why they chose not to have it included in the home video version and they declined. So I don't know what the reason is. I mean, that's actually a reason why a lot of movies get held up on like getting released to home video because the way contracts are signed is like you signed it for theatrical mm-hmm. home video or DVD is a different beast. So the song is deadbeat dance. Yeah. I mean, I actually have a copy of the soundtrack. Actually, I have a picture disc of the soundtrack. So but, yeah, one is good. Uh, two is directed by Ken Wiedernhorn, who also made one of the best part twos of any franchise, which is Meatballs Part 2. Return of the Living Dead 2 kind of gets a lot of hate, but it's just it's just goofy. It's not great. Yeah. And, like, Tom Matthews and James Karen basically come back and play ver- a variation of their roles from the first one. Different characters, but a variation. Mm. It's fun. It, that Speaking of Michael Jackson, that one has a great Michael Jackson sight gag in it, mm. which kind of depending on how you feel about Michael Jackson was, uh, the, it was played by Brian Peck, who was also returned to living dead one and a now convicted and registered sex offender. And I will leave it at that. You can Google that shit on your own and take a look at that. And it may or may not re- ruin return of living dead for you. Um, and then I watched part three when directed by Brian Usna and, I, there's things in that movie that just don't work, but like I think the core of the movie works. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't think I've ever sat down and watched one, two, and three back to back. Pretty sick. So yeah, that's some of the stuff. Yeah, that's what I watched. Listen, uh, you already mentioned it a little bit. Been listening to various tracks by Hot Snakes. We were I, we were over, I was over here the other day and we were just watching different music videos. And we watched some like live Hot Snakes performance and like 
God damn, that shit was... Yeah. The band was another level. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also been listening to a bunch of various tracks from the band Drug Church. You know, I think you described them as like, you know, the new Pixies or something like that, or maybe a more hardcore version of the Pixies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those like newer bands that kind of like they're adjacent to hardcore, but is it hardcore? I guess it's kind of hardcore, but it's also got a pop sensibility. It's lines are blurred, but I've been listening to that. I also went back and listened to the Adventures Supersonic Home, which is a really great fucking pop record. I think one of the members of Code Orange is in it. Oh, yeah, totally. And the last thing I've been listening to is that new all-military gun, Life Under the Gun record, which came out a couple of weeks ago, I guess, at this recording. I listened to it, and then I was listening to a bunch of other stuff, and I just kind of went back to it, and then fucking solid shit. So that is my rewatch and listen, and that's going to wrap up this episode of the Cinematic Void Podcast. Again, tell us what you think of the August lineup, or just tell us what you think of the episode, or just tell us what you think about it. What was your high school like? Tell us your high school experience. Was it good? Was it bad? Was your high school experience like Teen Witch? Did you have magical powers? Let us know. You know, hit us up on the social medias. But until next time, see See you in in the the void. Guess what? You know, I never had to ride a bus before. Oh, yeah?